my friend Alex Sharfin wrote a book, The Entrepreneurial Personality Type. And there he really categorizes a lot of great things about us as entrepreneurs, how we live on movement. If things aren't moving along or progressing, we literally feel like we're dying. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome to The Pursuit. I'm your host, Ben Spangle, here at the show. We're helping you in the pursuit of your best body, mind, spirit, and life. And as always, working on bringing you phenomenal guests that can help you impact the quality of your life. And today is going to be no exception to that. I have with me Sensei Victoria Whitfield. I'm super excited to have Victoria on the show. Um, Give you a little bit of background before we jump in. So a lot of you are into energy, I know. And uh, But Victoria is the world's first business Reiki master, so we're going to talk a lot about energy today. She hosts her own podcast, the Journeypreneur podcast, and really, really her expertise is helping entrepreneurs and leaders really stay grounded as we start to move through the roller coaster that business can be. I love Darren Hardy's book, The Entrepreneur Roller Coaster, and it's a good description. So I know a lot of what you teach is through meditation and um, and I'm excited about it. We talk a lot about it on the show. Victoria's a published author. She's an energy healer. She's toured the world, teaching people how to connect with their intuition. So we got lots we can cover today. Thank you so much for joining us, Victoria. Pleasure to be here, Ben. I'm ready to go. Let's do it. <laughs> well, let, let's jump right in. I, w- I want to jump into this concept because I know this is so true, but I want to hear your take on it. When, when you talk about the idea that energy is everything, I want to hear that from a business standpoint, from a leadership standpoint, where you feel that fits in. Energy literally is everything, especially in business. When we think about um, the definition of energy in physics, energy is the capacity to do work. Mm. Literally, that is the definition in, in physics, right? So from science, we understand that If we're going to do work, which means to um, have a like, so by the way, doing work is displacing matter across time, right? And space. So being able to create movement or displacement, making a shift, long story short, Mm -hmm. is doing work. And in order to do work, we need energy that gives us capacity to do work. And for me, when I first read that definition of energy, I immediately saw the pun intended because I'm always reading through like my business Reiki master classes mm-hmm. of like, oh, the capacity to do work, right? And we're not just talking about physics work and equations over here, but we're I'm I'm seeing this also as the capacity to have impact, to solve problems, mm. right? Communicate effectively, to connect in your marketing, right? Or to be able to have conversions in your sales or to have uh, morale in your team to do work work uh, is really how I read that. And so for, for that reason, it's all about capacity then. Like how much work can you really do? Mm. That is determined by your energy, your understanding of energy, your levels of energy, your sensitivity to it, et cetera. That makes a lot of sense. So I think that leads into probably the obvious question is, I get it. That's my capacity to do work. I want to do more work. I want to be accomplishing more. So tell me, how do I raise my energy? How do I bring more of me to the table? Yeah. So for me, what matters most is how you feel. Hmm. And 
your feeling stage in my book, Natural Intuition Now, by the way, which you can find on Amazon, just search Sensei Victoria Whitfield. It'll pop up right there. Two days, bam, it's in your in um, your front steps. But anyway, like there's a chapter I dedicated to it, the um, the art of feeling. So many people are not connected to their ability to feel, which is really their ability to sense energy, to perceive Mm -hmm. it in the first place. So if you want to work on raising your energy, you've got to have, let's say, um, an a meter in the first place. So like if you're driving your car and you can't tell how much gas is in your tank, you do not have gas awareness. The same goes for the fuel of your body and your spirit, right? In your mind, your business, I would even argue, is knowing how much energy is in your tank. What is fueling you? If you do not have a, a meter of some sort, an ability to track mm-hmm. your energy, in any way, shape, and form, you will have no energy awareness. So what does that mean? How we can start cultivating our energy is by tracking it in the first place. And I'm a strong believer that what matters most is how you feel. So your definition of energy is more important than what I would say or what any other guru would say. Maybe Your definition of energy and what you want to track is, like you were saying in the opening of this podcast, your physical health, Mm -hmm. physical energy, how much get up and go, vitality, mojo do I have, right? Am I springing to action um, on a daily basis and beginning to track your physical energy? Most people enter into understanding energy through the physical body first. Mm -hmm. Uh, After that, Um, if people are really into tracking their physical health or maybe their health forces them to track their physical health, which was my case, uh, like working into the hospital, then you may, if you're open to it, uh, you may open to tracking your emotional energy, right? Or how much energy do I have to grieve about this? Or how much energy do I have to be angry about this? Am I allowed to be angry? How much energy do I have to celebrate and be happy, right? The emotions, right? And tracking your emotional health. Many of us kind of crash into this, like life will crash us into tracking this, um, probably because something devastating happened that Mm. shifted our perspective about it. And then lastly, um, so it starts usually on the physical level, then on the mental, emotional, and then for some of us, spiritual energy, right? And so this is causal. Um, What does that mean? Cause and effect. Mm -hmm. So our beliefs, our values, um, uh, more of the existential questions come up around spiritual energy of why is everything happening? And why do I do what I do? Why do I believe what I believe? Why why am I working? So operating more on the spiritual level, worldview, tracking that really can help you um, anchor into cultivating your energy. But the first step, Ben, what I would recommend if someone wants to really start raising their energy level is pick, pick one, pick an adventure, physical, mm-hmm. uh, emotional, or spiritual, and track it. Whatever you track grows. Wherever the awareness goes, energy flows. Mm, 100%. I love that. 
so true on the idea of the art of feeling too. I was thinking to one of my mentors, Bob Proctor, he says that uh, feeling is conscious awareness of vibration, right? And we become aware of the vibration that we're in, the frequency we're on, the energy we're, we're operating at. So um, that is so, so good. And I'm, I'm curious on, so the mental and emotional, I can understand that. I think that that's been a big topic over the last couple of years for, for lots of us for many reasons, right? And when you start talking about tracking more spiritual energy, are you, are you, you mentioned, you start to question more, why do I do the things that I do? Why do I believe what I believe? So is it more just an awareness of kind of unraveling your personality or what, what do you mean by that? Yeah. So this is exploring the causal plane. And when I say causal, I mean, cause and effect cause. Mm -hmm. So this is exploring the level of reality that causes things to happen. Mm -hmm. That spiritual reality and then analyzing how am I causing things to happen and that can often come from a why based question of well why didn't I make um, this much this year as I did last year or why didn't she stay with me after I asked her to stay and I proposed her and all this stuff like that those types of why questions are causal in nature and that really helps us begin to track the nature of spiritual reality. So there is an aspect to spiritual reality that is metaphysical, right? And meta means above. So things that are not physical, but what can happen is that um, if we think about our emotions and our thoughts, technically those are metaphysical. Those are like, I'm not physically necessarily having an emotion unless like I'm sweating because I'm hot and excited or whatever. Mm-hmm. But instead I want to delineate between the emotional tracking of mental health and wellness, mm-hmm. separate that um, cognitively, linguistically for everyone listening in from spiritual, because if we keep garbling the two, you're going to mess with your tracking. Mm. you got to be specific. And so when we're talking about spiritual energy tracking, this is the energy uh, behind your why, the energy of clarity um, or the the lack of energy behind your why. I'm like, okay, I, I don't know. I don't know who I am. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know why I'm doing that. I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. That, if we were tracking that on a spiritual level, your your causal energy, your energy on the causal plane or the spiritual plane is very low. And so if you were to continue to ask that question or mm, pursue that line of reasoning of like, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. Well, okay, what does one do in that? Well, I'm going to Google life purpose, how to find your life, find yourself. I'm going to go ask somebody who looks all spiritual and stuff. What's my life purpose? I'm going to get my palm read. I have great. So get my palm read and let the person tell me what my purpose is because I've assigned them as an authority figure for some reason, Mm. but uh, tracking your, what causes you to take action is the key to really building up your spiritual energy. If that's the one in particular, Ben, that you want to look at um, building up your spiritual energy. Does that make sense? I could keep going. No, that's good. That's good for sure. Um, which 
kind of switching gears a little bit into business. So I think that one of the things that uh, we talked about earlier that I think will be really great is where you've had a lot of success and, and probably more a, a natural gift is the ability to be an empath that you could read people's energy, more sensitive to it. And I, I no doubt there's people listening that say, that's me. I'm that too. There's also people listening saying, no, no, that's not me, but I'd like to be more effective at it. I'd like to be able to walk in a room and have a better idea of what's going on with the prospect before we even maybe start chatting a bit. So tell me a little bit about, tell us a little bit about harnessing that ability to read energy or may perhaps become more sensitive to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So first things first, watch the story that you tell. Watch the story that you tell yourself. I'm not creative or, oh, I'm not sensitive or I don't, I don't get that. I'm not. Da, da, da. Okay. Whether, what was it? Henry Ford says, whether you decide you can or you can't, you're right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm sure I butchered that quote from Henry Ford, but it's mm-hmm. the same idea of the story that you tell about your relationship to the skill will absolutely affect your ability to enact the skill, period. And so we're talking about the skill of being able to sense energy, um, which is just an example. But in general, if someone's coming in, if if people are listening and saying, I'm not sensitive, I want to learn how to be psychic or whatever, like those people over there, keep on telling yourself that story and you will dangle the carrot in front of you of everybody else is better than you be kind to yourself how you do anything is how you do everything so i'm going to stop with with making that point just first changing the story secondly um to begin opening up to sensitivity uh the best vehicle in my teacher's words one of my teachers the lama tuku lobsang he says the the best vehicle is the body your body is naturally sensitive and the fastest way that someone can start to perceive energy is by perceiving your own body if you have a hard time let's say being empathic or being psychic or picking up on energetic cues or vibes from other people chances are you are disconnected from your own body So it's not that you're broken necessarily. It's just your mind-body connection is not as developed or your mind is focusing on other signals from your body more so than energetic or vibes-based, quote-unquote, if we're to use a term like that. Uh, It's focusing on other signals instead of vibes kind or empathic signals. So one of the ways to wake up a person's sensitivity, and I've done this, um, I've done this in crowds of random people, like at festivals where hundreds of people are walking around trying to buy hot dogs and like random tchotchkes on this, on the street fair to um, corporations where everyone is suit and tied to the max. Like we are having a serious meditation. Yeah. Yeah. So from all different, the same thing I get everyone to do is to rub your hands together vigorously as if you are going to start a fire between your hands 
And I've even done this with family members who are not exactly into the spiritual stuff, but start a fire between the palms of your hands, start it, start it, start it, rub them vigorously. And when you're done, separate them about a centimeter or an inch, depending on where you're at in the world. And with your palms facing each other, notice if your hands are tingling or not. If your hands are not tingling, you need to keep doing that until you can feel your hands tingling because this is simply blood flow and your nerve endings speaking to them. Uh, and if you do have a sense of tingling, so yay, you can feel your body. <laughs> this is profound. On top of that, if you can feel the tingling between your hands, then what I would encourage you to do is look at, as you hold your palms pointing towards one another, about an inch or a centimeter apart, see if you can sense the magnetism where you're holding your hands, palms facing one another, but you can feel your palms pulling on each other as if it's pulling your palms together, just feeling the magnetism between them. And for those who are a little more sensitive, they're like, yeah, I got the tingling, Victoria. But then they're like, wait a minute, I didn't know there was magnetism. Did you know you're an electromagnetic being? Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's the way that your central nervous system communicates throughout your body. That's your nerves system, the centralized nerve system of your body communicating. So as you start to feel the electromagnetism building between the palms of your hands, if you've got that, then I want you to use your imagination. Imagine there was a rubber band around the outside of your hands as your palms are facing one another and begin to pull slightly, very gently, ever so slightly, try to pull your palms apart while imagining there's a rubber band. If you are sensitive to the energy between your hands, the magnetism between your palms should increase. If you are not sensitive to the energy in your hands, You'll be like, oh, okay, I'm just imagining this. Rah, rah, rah. Victoria's full of crap. This is lame. And that's fine. Go back to step one of rubbing your hands together and start the fire. Uh, because for whatever reason, you just aren't picking up on the, the sensation that your hands are always sending of electromagnetism. If you do feel that sense of um, magnetism between the palms of your hands, then I want you to imagine that there is a small balloon or a tiny ball between the palms of your hands and begin to press on that ball. So the magnetism between your palms, if you felt it before, once you imagine the ball between the palms of your hands, that should compress the energy into like almost a palpable uh, bubble of air. Between yeah, I feel that, yeah. Really, Ben? Oh, really? Yeah. And so this is Energy Ball 101. Hmm. And so as you inhale, you can pull on the rubber bands, right? Gently trying to pull your palms apart. And as you exhale, you can compress on the ball between the palms of your hands. And this exercise, rubber band balloon for short, all my students know what I mean when I say that. Um, rubber band ballooning can help you connect to um, your energy on a physical level. And this is a really great exercise to chart to start tracking your energy awareness and energy levels. Now, for those of you who are like, oh yeah, I got the energy ball. I love it. What do I do now, Victoria? So if you're like 
All right, ready to go full unicorn. Um, <laughs> trust your intuition. This is good ambient energy. So just follow wherever you're guided to put it. If you want to um, place it in your head to calm your head down or into your heart to heal your heart, allow your hands to bring um, this energy ball wherever your body is asking for it to go. And watch the sensation of the parts of your body that you are angling your palms at. So for example, um, I'm angling my palms at my face right now. I am feeling, I'm becoming more and more aware of my temples and my cheeks, almost as if the, the small hairs on my cheeks are standing up in relationship to and magnetized to my palms. Whereas if I move my palms down over my heart, as I tune into the sensation there at that part of my body, there is a warmth, a gentle weight, um, and a fullness gathering around on my chest in relationship to my palms facing my heart. And so this is all becoming aware of your own energy body. So mm -hmm. to answer your question, Ben, if someone wanted to really start cultivating their ability to become energy sensitive and sense vibes and stuff, I would recommend they go through that practice. And even if you want to do it once a day um, to really build the muscle, because it is like exercise, you, your body learns over time, right? So the more that you get used to being sensitized to perceiving energy, the more energy you will be able to perceive. Does mm -hmm. that make sense? Or it does. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm glad you went through that exercise too, given some real tactical stuff we can apply right away uh, apply right away part of me um yeah i like that and uh well, i got lots i still want to ask you about too one of the things i'm curious about as i was doing some research on you too is a lot of people listening are business people they're entrepreneurs uh of course one of the things they want to do is grow their business right be able to increase that and i know one of the messages you talk about is how through meditation the impact it can have on your profits and a lot of people listening do meditate regularly already. Uh, a lot listening probably think to themselves like, you know, I, I should, I know I want to, but maybe this might help them kind of get into it a little bit more. So tell us a bit about that. Yeah, for sure. So the type of meditation that I teach on, I call strategic meditation. And this is what I recommend for entrepreneurs because uh, my friend Alex Sharfin wrote a book, The Entrepreneurial Personality Type. And there he really categorizes a lot of great things about us as entrepreneurs, how we live on movement. If things aren't moving along or progressing, we literally feel like we're dying. And so what can happen is that if we're meditating in a way that like gets us to check out or to stop or to disconnect, the entrepreneurial personality type will be like, it won't really benefit us. We need a kind of meditation that can help us go faster and farther and, and hit things um, right where we want to go. We want uh, the type of meditation that collapses time and that's strategic meditation. Hmm. So to define it, strategic meditation is meditation done first before a targeted action is being taken. Let me explain what this looks like. So, okay, you have a car, right? And you need to drive somewhere. Mm. And before you go on a long haul drive, what do you do? You check your tire pressure, et cetera, but you make sure you fill up your gas tank 
first and then you go on the long haul drive you don't just go um if you're being responsible with with your your energy or your fuel um in your car and your time you will gas up first and then go on the drive it's the same concept with strategic meditation right so if there is a certain decision that needs to be made in your business um, doing a specific kind of meditation that calls in intuitive guidance or creates a state of clarity first before you make that decision or before you take that action will make that decision or action that much more potent, right? You gather your energy together and your potency and then um, you fire. And so when I teach uh, meditation, we do these every Thursday night, we introduce people to this. Uh, it's a structured form of meditation that comes from First Nations individuals and communities called shamanic vision journey meditation. This is a big, long, beautiful name that comes from brilliant, wise people who know what they're doing. <laughs> but for short, we just call it strategic meditation for us as entrepreneurs. And we do it in a completely drug, alcohol and stimulant free environment that's not at all needed. You have all the DMT that you could ever possibly need in your pineal gland if you just sit with it. Mm. Uh, but we do that every Thursday, introducing everyone to um, doing this structured form of meditation. And what's amazing is that people come with their business questions about like, what should the brand be? Or um, what do I need to do to grow my business today? Or what what should we do with next with the podcast? Or how do I monetize this thing that I've created? They take that question and they bring it first to meditation rather than bringing it to uh, honestly a coach or um, trying to figure it out, brainstorming or Googling or YouTubing or Redditing, like all of the solutions. Instead, they bring it to meditation. And what happens is that in this structured form of meditating, we go through a set, um, a set image sequence that on demand creates feedback from spirit to the person meditating every single time, every single time. It's changed my life, <laughs> uh, lives of my clients. The more that you do it, the, the also the better it gets, which is amazing. But so people will come with these questions, uh, decisions or dilemmas, do the meditation, get the feedback that bubbles up from, well, you could say from themselves if you want to be um, atheistic about it, which is perfectly fine. Or if you want to be spiritual or religious, it could come from your spirit guides or your higher self and yada, yada, your angels. But they get the insight in general, right? And then you take that insight and apply it. Um, studies have shown that when you meditate in a certain way at work, people have been able to make 520% increase on their profits and 120% increase on their productivity. And I'd be happy wow. to share with you the studies that have shown that. I myself have forexed my business several times applying this process. And that's why I talk about it uh, whenever, when any chance I get, I'm like, guys, this is just uh, like, you can get paid to meditate. Really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love it. So where do people, cause they're going to, I know a lot of people listening are immediately going to say, okay, I need no, I need to know more of it. So where do they find out more from you on that? 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, if you uh, specifically want to get in on one of our next Thursday night meditation, nighttime is in Eastern, by the way. So if you want to get in on one of our next Thursday night vision meditations, you could go to victoriawhitfield.com forward slash meditate. So you want to meditate with me, Victoria Whitfield, since Victoria Whitfield, you go to victoriawhitfield.com forward slash meditate and you select the day that works for you. It's on Zoom. Um, so it's open to anybody who'd love to come at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And we have a set format. So we end by 8.15 at the extreme latest every time. I love it. I'll be checking one of those out. That's great. Um, big fan of meditation, been doing it for a number of years now. So I like, uh, I like exploring different ways for sure. I'm excited about testing that out too, and seeing the impact on the business as well. Yeah. I think that's so great. So great. Um, so when you talk about that, I know people can get more information on there, but you mentioned, okay, a meditation done before the action. So there's kind of like a block where you would do a long one on your Thursday night. But then as part of that strategy, then a real simple strategy, okay, I've got a decision I need to make. I can go in for two minutes into this meditation and then back out. Is that part of it or? Yeah. So this is, it depends on your level of skill of how long it takes. When I started doing strategic meditations to grow my business, um, and that was, I grew my business from, I wasn't making any money. I was just surrounded by a bunch of entrepreneurs saying, you should have a business. I went from that to making 10,000 a month in under a year. Mm. Uh, so how, what made me do that was by implementing this and how I did it was every morning, 10 minutes, I would um, listen to, I have a, a track of drums mm-hmm. that play um, that is just, it's monotonous beating on a drum. That's literally it for 10 minutes so that I knew I was only going to be there for 10 minutes. And then I'd set a timer afterward of five minutes to write down in the journal of whatever I was told to do mm-hmm. at that was how I would begin the day of like, I got my marching orders. I'm going to do this. And that um, really helped me take all of the, uh, yes, I was receiving marketing and business coaching and, you know, mentorship and possible for me, I'm ADD. So when everyone says you need to do this, the people pleaser in me says, I need to do this thing that everyone is saying, like, I'm going to do everything. Right. <laughs> And then I do nothing where that meditation process, it was like a distillation and um, focus, like a system for um, distilling all of that guidance and a system for creating focus in me every single day for me personally, like I have somebody else's version of what I should focus on. And I tend to receive what everyone says, but that dilutes my ability to focus Whereas having this helped helped me to have my own system of focus and my own ability to manage myself. And that is why I was able to grow my business that first year. And then, you know, from when I went from there to moving up to uh, $50,000 and all of the, like, have, having more wins came more from being focused because people do things because they feel good. So if you can create a system for feeling good, you will do good. You will Mm. do, if you feel better, 
you will do better. And this is a wonderful system to just follow step by step for daily feeling in alignment with taking action and therefore more action or more aligned action rather will be taken. Uh, does that make sense? Or? Totally makes sense. Super important, super powerful. I feel like you know, what I do is I lot of coaching people in our business, right? And teach them. And I think one of the greatest hindrances to most people is the opposite of what you just said is feeling bad, feeling I'm not doing enough. I should be doing more, uh, you know, regretful, whatever it might be and those low level emotions that, you know, when you feel bad, you do bad, right? I mean, you're, you're never, you can't really become your best self if you're stuck in low level frequency like that. So I think that's so powerful. So guys, uh, make sure you go check that out. I think that's going to be a huge thing for many people listening. Uh, I know they're going to love that a lot. Um, which kind of leads me into one of my next points too, is oh, I think what we're talking a lot about, especially when you say, listen to the guidance and, you know, whatever you believe that guidance can come from wherever it come from universe, from source, from God, from your subconscious, doesn't really matter what you call it. The guidance is coming. And I think what you're talking a little bit about too, is embracing more of your, your intuition, embracing more of that, that natural um, guidance systems that we do have. And um, yeah, is there any other strategies you might say beyond the meditation that how you can incorporate more of that intuition into business? Oh my goodness. Yes. So this, where do I start? I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> the first thing that I am drawn to energetically, as you say that, mm -hmm. um, uh, intuitively, I'm hearing space. So caring for your relationship with your environment and spatial reality around you, mm. sure that your environment is also in alignment with you feeling good so that you do good or do better, right? Feeling better so that you do better. If you walk into the space uh, for you to work or you're you're not even moving from waking up and you're just like rolling over and like, oh, I'm going to get in my phone and slack everybody and post here. Like if your, your relationship with the environment around you is of a lower vibration or let's say of a lower level of consciousness and intentionality. But mm -hmm. spirit guides keep telling me to say, stop using spirit talk, talk like mm -hmm. break it down Barney style, Victoria, right? So if you're not being very intentional about the space around you, that will also affect your ability to be effective at work. Make sure that you have time to stand while you are during your workday, like so that all of your energy channels are open and none of your joints are crumpled, which then crimp your um, veins and arteries, which then restricts the blood flow to your brain, which is what is responsible for you showing up in your business effectively, like blood and oxygen, everything comes down to blood and oxygen, long story short, but also having an environment that is, uh, that supports your health, for example, of showing up in business. Do you have water um, while you are working or are you pounding coffee um, and stimulants all day instead of stuff that feeds your body? Like, what is your relationship with food in your environment? In your environment, is this, are you working in an environment that you would feel safe bringing a client into? Mm. Or is it full of broken things and other people's stuff and dust and clutter? 
Like those are all messages from the environment around you quietly saying, do not enter. I'm blocking, right? If you mm. think of dust, that's uh, old skin cells. So that's literally the past is just piling up on your shelves or on your laptop or, or, or whatever. Clearing the space can be very powerful for welcoming in new business. I've had people literally shift their entire sales flow just by getting a proper office with a proper chair and a proper desk so they can focus and making sure that you have the ability to see the sky from wherever you work. If you are unable to look at nature, what, where you are working, you're restricting um, your body's energy flow as well. So I get like getting your space in alignment is really important. That's the first thing. I mean, I've, got so many. Um, like I actually have a full six-step process that I pe take people do around this very topic of like exactly what to look at when you want to start manifesting. I call it the be visionary um, manifesting process. But uh, like step number four is your environment. And that was the first one that yeah. came to Ben. That's a great one. I think that that one, especially to the last two years, more people than ever are working from home, you know, from the pandemic and uh, how easy it is to, especially if we're seeing a lot of people virtually that uh, easy to forget that stuff and whether it's piling stuff up or whatever it might be. So I'm looking over here. I got a stack of books on my pool table that I need to get organized here. So thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's great. Um, okay. Moving back to some of the other stuff I want to, as, as we come to a close pretty soon here, one of the things we were talking about beforehand was uh, that I think is a challenge for not just entrepreneurs, but any career driven person is uh, often falling into workaholism and, and becoming a workaholic where that truly does consume their lives. And I know you've had, you shared with me a little briefly about the impact that had on you in, in your life. So maybe share a bit about, I guess, where you realized that was you to some degree, and then some strategies on, okay, maybe that is me. How do I start to shift that a bit so it doesn't consume my life? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh, the money question. This is so good. So the I stumbled upon the reason why I'm doing uh, the work that I'm doing. Um, while I was speaking at AT&T Corporate at their world headquarters in Ben's, Bedminster, New Jersey. So I have been speaking there once a year. This was the fifth year that I was um, being like asked to come in and speak about meditation, the 10 minute solution for workplace stress. And um, I had done a why exercise before, like I learned more about Simon Sinek and met him and all of this stuff. He's really nice and smells great. Anybody, anyway, like <laughs> learning about what's my why. Um, the, this fifth year coming to do the same presentation at AT&T had totally different results. And uh, I stumbled upon it while going through, well, why am I doing what I'm doing? And um, Simon very beautifully says, many times our why comes from pain, right? It comes from our pain. And for me, I never, the pain that I connected to was that I never got to meet my maternal grandfather because he dropped dead at work at 52 years old of a massive heart attack. Um, and he left his three daughters orphaned, three young girls orph orphaned. And he was only 52 having a massive heart attack at work. He was like the, the head of the 
like, how do you say the, um, the big department for sales and he was leading all of these sales teams. He was the best at it. And he was really, really focused on being the best, not focused on his health, um, more focused on competition, less than coming home to his daughters. And so um, his wife had died, my grandmother of breast cancer um, about a decade before. So the girls, um, my mother was telling me, she was like, I'm, I'm, I'm 20 years old and now I don't have a dad. What am I doing at college? I don't know what it like, this sense of being uprooted. And so for me, when I remembered that pain of never getting to meet and only hearing about like stories of this magical, competitive, brilliant man that was just super on top of everything and just smart and, and driven and, and passionate, well, I never got to experience him because he died at work. And as I looked into that pain, it then trickled down, interestingly, looking into my family history. I've had the experience of driving both of my parents separately, their divorce, separately driving them to the ER because they've fainted or blacked out due to stress induced high blood pressure. Hmm. So they work themselves to a like extremely high level of stress to the point where they've fainted or blacked out. And I've had to be the one, I'm the youngest of three, for whatever reason, I'm the one driving them um, to the ER. And then that really compounded um, in the day that I myself worked myself into the hospital. I have this thing that is a can-do attitude. I was raised on Napoleon Hill, think and grow rich. Anything the mind can conceive and believe it can achieve, right? A hundred percent. And so I believe that very strongly. That's given me a, a drive and a strong work ethic and a positive mental attitude. Um, and especially coming on biracial. So like for my family, we have something to prove of like, you know, we're going to be smart and loving and productive and you know, no one's going to mess with us. No one's going to be racist because like, look how awesome we are. And so, okay. And a can-do attitude I learned one day can also be a toxic can-do attitude which means when, when push comes to shove, if it's time to ask for help, I won't mm. because I can do it or I got it. Um, so long story short, cause I want to make, uh, I know we're getting short on time uh, at work one day, I missed my window of opportunity to ask for help opening a, an original um, Victorian window in this beautiful building. And so I jiggled it open and wham, it smashed down on my fingers jammed me down to the bone like to this day uh this isn't my normal right thumb this is my left thumb so if you can see like my left thumb only goes at about a 45 degree angle whereas my right thumb i'm pushing as hard as i can uh my right thumb goes down to a 90 degree angle so this i have the contusion to remember this day of being stuck in the window, missing my window of opportunity to ask for help at work. Um, and what shifted for me was a moment of clarity. They call it a gamma moment, actually, when you um, study like a human potential. It's like some, you're able to do something you're not supposed to. And so I was stuck in that window for seven solid minutes, only watching the clock. And then finally, when someone came back into the building and was trying to help me get out, um, and I was wedged down the bone, not coming out, but I had this moment of clarity where I was like, you know, 
if I don't come out of this window, I won't be able to see my nephew again. I'm coming out of this. And that hit me like a bolt. And I ripped my hands out. I saw the white of the bone. Like I looked through them and then fainted, split my glasses on the way down. So not only am I unable to work with my hands, but now I'm, I'm legally blind. I'm like Mrs. Magoo straight up when I, <laughs> for sure. And that I'm, I'm going into the hospital. So that was the day that I worked myself into the hospital, but that's not the end of the story. When I came to, to my shock, uh, as they were put me on the gurney and putting me into the ambulance from all over the campus, I've never seen this before. I've never seen this since, and I hope to see more of it since, but people were randomly running up, shouting about the one thing I was the most terrified about. I was afraid I, I didn't have medical insurance at that job. I took the job for emotional safety, not necessarily for you know, um, financial security. And so I was afraid of going to the hospital, but ever like people from all over started running up randomly saying, how much money does she need? Does she need money? How much money does she need? I got a hundred dollars. Let me know where to send it. She had better not have to pay for that. How much money does she need? How much, I've never seen somebody get put in an ambulance and chased by people trying to throw money at it. Mm. Well, that happened that day. And so working myself into the hospital was also the very same day that I learned that there is a universal bank account that uh, is the sum total of all the bank accounts, all of the funding, all of the finances of all of the people who have ever seen you, heard of you, read about you, or even thought of you as an idea. And that is your real bank account. That it was my real bank account. Like I was so afraid to, to make moves because I was afraid of spending money or and I'm afraid of asking for help and all of that. Whereas that experience literally broke me open, quite literally, to being able to receive support. Um, and so for me, I, I don't want anybody else to get like hit by a window, right? Or work themselves in the hospital to know that you can ask for help and people will literally want to run uh, to support you because it's a pleasure to. Um, and for the entrepreneurs listening in here, you have so much more resource than you think you do of the, I got it. Watch out for that can-do attitude turning into a toxic can-do attitude because that is workaholism where you are blocking the love and resources that source or God or the energy or yourself, you have already gathered around you. It's like sitting in a lake, a freshwater lake of the most beautiful freshwater you could ever possibly need, but literally starving of thirst because you will not take a drink. Mm -hmm. Interesting. It's a great story. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. It, uh, I know there's a lot more we could still talk about. However, for time, we're not going to today. But um, I guess just in closing, uh, of course, your website's a great spot for people to connect with you, victoriawhitfield.com. Um, social platforms, what are the main ones that you use? Yeah. So I'm like, I'm on all the things and I am most active on Facebook. So you can find me on Facebook by typing in Sensei Victoria Whitfield. Um, you can find me on all the other things by either typing in Sensei Victoria Whitfield or my handle is at Sensei Whitfield. TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, yada, yada, yada. But right. uh, 
Yeah, just type in Sensei Victoria Whitfield. If you just put Victoria Whitfield, I think that's like a town in British Columbia. So <laughs> cool. there you go. Well, that's awesome. Well, just as we close too, thank you for the time today. I love this. And I feel like it's a great way for people to in, in, increase their energy in business, right? And to become, you know, more aware of who we really are and not just uh, not just into the work that you do, but how you do the work and the energy you bring to it. And awesome stuff. Uh, I'm excited about checking out your meditation uh, classes as well, which will be great. And just in closing, as we do wrap up, if you were to leave people with maybe one piece of guidance, something they can apply, hey, you know, this is something I'd recommend. What would you say you you want to leave people with? My final uh, closing message would be this. Your self-care is a business expense. So make it a point to invest in your self-care because you do not have to lose your glow as you grow in life and business. Mm, I love that. Awesome stuff. Well, hey, everybody, thanks for tuning in. I know you love this episode. Make sure to share it. Tag Victoria, tag myself as you do. Let us know in the comments what you thought of the episode, what your favorite uh, part was. And as always, thanks for tuning in. I appreciate every single one of you. Have an amazing day. We'll see you soon. Bye.